Hello, and welcome to The Vinyl Floor. I'm Christian. I'm Randy. And today, we're going to be covering five albums. Six albums? Six albums. By uh, various bands from my record collection. Starting with One Speed Bike. The album, Droopy Butt, Be Gone. (laughs) Great title. Phenomenal title. Were you familiar uh, at all? with this album, Randy? Uh, I wasn't, no. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't really know anything. And then after, you know, Googling it, at first I realized it's uh, someone from Godspeed, but that's about all I knew. Yeah, it's the drummer, um, Aiden Gert, I believe is how you pronounce their last name. I um, mean, it's their, it's from 2000 is when the album came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's their debut, uh, like, solo electronic album. It's... Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible with genres in terms of classifying what is what. And half the time I'll call something something and I'll be told I'm wrong. (laughs) So what I wrote down initially for kind of what this style is, is uh, like sample heavy kind of hip hoppy, trip hoppy stuff. But the word that I was trying to get to that I found online that was assigned to this album is breakbeat which okay. I think makes a lot of sense in a lot of the uh, songs on here. Sure. Um, it feels like there's real drums on a lot of it, I, or maybe just be. like real drums that are processed and... Something yeah. like that. Uh, him being a drummer, I would assume that True. there's that makes sense. a yeah. mix, or if not all real drums. Um, this album, uh, we're just diving right in, but uh, yeah. are you familiar with DJ Shadow? at all just by name that's it he's like huge uh the or i don't know how big relatively but he's much more known and much more uh mainstream these days but his first album um introducing e-n-t-r-o-d-u-c-i-n-g um that came out in i want to say i'll just look it up exactly came out in 96 is incredible we will get to that album it is cool in the collection uh but this album reminded me a lot of dj shadow i was already uh familiar with one speed bike prior to us doing this clearly it's in my collection yeah um but on this listen really sitting with it uh that dj shadow album really feels like a good uh reference point okay um so we'll have to circle back to this once we get to uh that album later on for sure um my history with this album is completely blind in terms of I saw it physically at a record shop in, I want to say Alpharetta. I I okay. went somewhere with my mom for whatever reason. And then anytime I'm in a place that I haven't been to before, a part of town I haven't been to before, I Google local record shops just yep. to see what's around. And there's this one called Mojo Vinyl. Okay. Uh, and I went in there. It's a pretty cool shop. Uh, and they had a copy of this One Speed Bike album. And the cover, as Randy's looking at it right now, because we have it in front of us, is someone running from a cop that has fallen on the ground, uh, which is a striking image. And I love it because fuck police. But yeah. uh, then you look below and it says droopy butt be gone. And then you're like, okay, this is serious and funny. What's going on here? It looks very punk. I was about to say, it definitely has like a uh, crucifix dehumanization uh, kind of feel. Very DIY, old school kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, had no idea what it was and did not buy it that day. Uh, 
I don't think I ended up buying anything that day. But then I went to local shop in town, Decatur, Eliguru. Nice. Months later, and they had a copy of it. Hmm. So it coming up twice, I was very curious. So I quickly scrubbed a song on streaming and was like, you know what? This is like six or eight dollars. I can't remember. It was really cheap. I'll just go ahead and blindly buy it. I liked the little bit that I heard. Then I get home, do a little bit more research and learn all about who created this and when it came out and all of that. And yeah, honestly, since I've gotten it, it's been on pretty consistent rotation for me. Um, Nice. During the pandemic, I really fell hard. I don't want to say into this style. I I should say back into this style because I I briefly dabbled with it in high school. My friend Nick um, got really into breakbeat and sample based music, electronic music in high school. And uh, he's the one who showed me like that DJ Shadow album and got me into Blockhead and Aesop Rock and all of this. Um, so hearing this really transported me back there. And like during lockdown and the pandemic, I got very into ambient and noise and instrumental really uh, style music. And coming across this, uh, I'd say I picked this up probably like four or five months ago. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, not that long ago. Uh, coming across this just immediately fell right into that uh, realm and wheelhouse that I'd been um, hanging out in for quite a while. Nice. Uh, were you or are you a Godspeed fan? Funny enough, uh, I I am a very passive appreciator of Godspeed yeah. because I don't think I've actually taken the time to sit and listen to a whole album. I think I'm about the same. Yeah, yeah. I, everything I've heard I like or, yep. or appreciate to an extent. Um Post-rock is kind of hard for me. Um, sure. And I know they are more of on the experimental realm of post-rock. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I got really into, like, Explosions in the Sky and This Will Destroy You. Nice. And this really small band. I think they only put out one album years back called uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, okay. Named after sounds the, super familiar. the yeah. movie and the manga and all of that. But they had one album that was beautiful and it's, all this instrumental post-rock stuff. So I was really into it for a time. And I don't know what changed. Maybe it was Explosions doing so many soundtracks mm-hmm. that at a certain point, post-rock just kind of became like cinematic music to me rather than like sit down and have sure. an experience yeah, yeah. music. Um, so Godspeed is a blind spot. Uh, currently, there's not a single Godspeed record in this collection. So spoiler okay. alert, I think... This is the only Godspeed related thing nice. that I have. But research will show different as we go through yeah. everything we've got here. I uh I missed the Godspeed set at the Treefort Treefort Music Festival right. this previous year because they played I think they started at twelve thirty, as in midnight thirty. Oh no, that's too late. Yeah, and I think it was supposed to go till like one. You mean twelve thirty in the morning? Two o'clock. Jesus. Uh, dude, I wish. If it was a noon show. Oh, That'd I would awesome. love a noon show. Didn't uh did Godspeed play Shaky last year? Oh, I don't know. They I, played a shake. They either played it this year or the year before the year before that. Okay. Um all that to say I did not go <laughs> go to yeah. their set. Um again, got nothing against the band. Um yep. but knowing their realm and finding out that their drummer made this, um it's made me want to dive more into his solo stuff and really sit with 
what is considered some of their more experimental work because I think yeah. I think that would probably be up my alley these days. Um, I want to read quickly a little bit from the insert that comes with this album because I don't want to say it's like a statement of intent for the music, um, but at the same time, I mean, if you're going to include a lengthy paragraph with your album, it's it's going to go hand in hand with the music. Totally, more or less. yeah. So I'm going to read a little a little bit of this uh, and just show you. This is uh, written by Aiden Gert, who is One Speed Bike, for the album Droopy But Be Gone. <clears throat> After the revolution, there will be free goat cheese. After the revolution, there will be no beer but homebrew, and brewers will rightfully reclaim their place as community leaders. Community leaders will know their place after the revolution and won't have to be told when they take up too much space in the collective. The collective will rule the individual. The individual will rule the collective. All Western duality, black and white thinking will be replaced with the many shades of gray. Concrete will never be a building material left without paint because the color gray will be banned by the committee in charge of the revolution. The committee in charge of the revolution will be made up of the people least able to run a committee in charge of the revolution. If the committee in charge of the revolution is too efficient, it would become too successful and might actually come to power, which would be a bad thing because the revolution is all about empowerment and has nothing to do with power over. Besides which, any efficient revolutionary attempt is more likely to be stopped and co-opted by the present powers because it's hard to beat assholes at their own game. I believe in the present powers of gift-giving, hockey riot potlock. Potlatch, sorry, potlatch, potluck dinners, 14-course vegetarian meals that turn into enormous surprise confrontations with police that empower normal people into choosing sides, that make 40-year-old mothers with two... 40-year-old mothers of two throw bricks at cops that make the football team mutually touch each other sexually, that make cops themselves arrest the cops inside their heads and join the worldwide nonstop lifetime carnival against power. It will take us at least 100 years and maybe the world we inherit will be ruined, but it will be ours and we have nothing to fear in ruins. All we got to do is sort out our fucked up heads. Lots of people have done it before. It's the easiest, hardest thing. Learn to work better with others Know our history and be ready to die heartbroken because that way you got your ass covered. With these few simple things in place, we can get our bikes and start riding because it's good for the heart and the lungs, because it makes us stronger, because wheels turn around to the beginning but end up further ahead. Soon, we will be nearer to the day of free goat cheese. I was only going to read a blurb, but you got to have the whole piece, I guess. Yeah, that was great. Um... So with that in mind uh, of the contradictions of revolution, the contradictions of yeah. power, uh, looking at the album art, looking at the song titles and listening to the music, it all kind of jives. Totally. Honestly, yeah. I, yeah. I can, that statement definitely shows the intent and playfulness yeah. of the album because this is, th- this album I find quite relaxing. Uh, this style mm-hmm. of music I find very relaxing. So that's why I gravitated toward it so hard. But um, rarely would I be able to lock into something playfulness like this. And without reading that, you can already kind of feel it in the yeah. tone of things. And that just like really, really brings it home. And like song titles on it too. 
from the album title Droopy But Be Gone to uh, my personal favorite track on the album, which is Yuppie Restaurant Goers Beware because this song is for the dishwasher. Yeah, that's a good one. My uh, my favorite that I marked is Any Movement That Forgets About Class Is A Bowel Movement. That is a great one. I think that's the second to last song. And yep. then the last song is just a toilet flushing for yep. like 30 seconds. Yep. And yeah. that one's just untitled. And this the album opens with someone essentially saying like hold on i gotta do this and then it's a toilet flushing and then the album okay. ends yeah, yeah. with a toilet flushing as well so you're not getting um somebody there's no pretension here totally in my yeah. opinion uh from from what i gather i mean another song title on here is called just another jive assed white colonial <laughs> theft like it's great why are all the dogs dying of cancer my kitchen is tenement square yep it's wonderful. Uh, this was released, uh, like I said, in 2000, October 23rd, 2000, uh, via um, Hotel Tutango Records, I believe. Never heard of it. Me neither. Uh, that's what's listed um, uh, on the wiki, but on like the record itself. Um, oh, no, sorry. Hotel Tutango is where it was recorded. The label uh, that put it out is Constellation. Okay. Yeah. And it was produced by um, Aiden himself. Uh, he has other albums outside of this uh, that I've not listened to or come across yet. Um, and it looks like he did them from the time he released this to up until 2013-ish. Hmm. Um, definitely need to seek him out. But uh, if, you, if you're a fan of sample-based music, uh, percussion-driven music, um, give this a shot. Yeah, and it's not like overly clean either. Like it definitely has like a sort of punk rock grittiness totally. like to the actual music, not just the album cover. So Yeah, it feels it feels like it's been it feels DIY, but not in a that's yeah. not derogatory at all. Um I you and I being musicians can appreciate and I prefer a lot of the times when it feels organic like that. Yeah, same. Um so this genuinely feels like somebody who either laid down some instruments that they then looped or laid down instruments and then put samples over it. You can feel the human touch on all of it and it's, yep. it's appreciated. So Randy, would you recommend one speed bike? Droopy, but be gone. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I definitely saved it on my, uh, Spotify for albums to listen to again in the future. Hell um, yeah. Definitely interested in, uh, checking out the rest of, sort of other solo stuff that he's done. And then also eventually like actually getting into Godspeed because yeah. I think I've listened to like one of the albums, like once or twice. Um, I did the lift, the one everyone knows the lift your skinny fists, like antennas to heaven. Yeah. The, one with the hands on the yep, cover. That one. That's the one that I know the best. Um, and then I know them from 28 days later, which I think they eventually like took their song off of. Oh yeah. There was like a, uh, them being such a political band, I think when uh, Danny Boyle got like a uh, like deal with Fox or whoever distributed it, they were like huh. very anti that. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. The music of 28 Days Later is one of the best parts of that damn movie. Yeah. I'm not. They, I know they didn't compose the music, but they had. They had at parts? least a song on there. And Interesting. I haven't seen it in probably like at least a decade. So I'm not sure if it's still there or if there's like a version that has their music and then another one that doesn't. I got to check it and out. It's also yeah. very hard to find 28 days later, like, or to rent it essentially on like VOD right now. I've got the DVD. 
I can lend nice. it to you. So yeah, I think there's some like weird rights thing there because they were like very anti like the uh, distributor and stuff huh. like that. Okay, that's interesting to know. Uh, yeah, this definitely is a great primer though for people who aren't into Godspeed, um, who are open to it to be like, all right, one of their members is making cool shit, so yeah, there's probably more here that I'm going to like. Uh, but that's also, you answered my next thing was, uh, is this an album you find yourself listening to again? Which is... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm really glad. That's uh, a big part of this. And I already said mine, um, and I believe you already said yours, but again, the track that uh, really catches me from this album is uh, Yuppie Restaurant Goers Beware, because this song is for the dishwasher. <laughs> And yours was the... Uh, uh, any movement that forgets about class is a bowel movement. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. So very uh, socially conscious record that seems to be uh, just as relevant today as it was in 2000, unfortunately. Yeah. I will say it's uh, maybe not the only socially conscious uh, album this week. No, not at all. Not even close. Uh, this one is definitely... We'll get there. We've got three albums before it. <laughs> But the album that we are talking about uh, is a little more on the nose than this one. Yeah, for sure. And I don't necessarily mean that negatively, but we'll get there. Yep. So that kind of concludes Droopy Butt Be Gone by One Speed Bike. Um, really great kind of break beady, trip hoppy, hip hop instrumental album that I uh, highly recommend. Will be one that I listen to, continue to listen to for quite a while. Um, following that is a three album trek and we're going to kind of talk about, we'll talk about one, the album proper more, and then we'll talk the greatest hits kind of together. But we are now entering into the realm of ABBA. Hell yeah. Randy, were you, did you consider yourself and do you consider yourself? a fan of the band ABBA prior to today, did, would you have said, yeah, I like ABBA? Uh, probably not. Probably no. not. Uh, I, I'll say that I think the earliest memory I have of ABBA is I believe at my grandparents' house, my grandma had like a VHS of Mamma Mia. Oh, okay. And so I think I always kind of related it with like... Like the oh, Meryl Streep Mamma Mia? Or the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did that fucking movie come out? Uh, good question. 90s? Early 2000s, maybe? Yeah, I have no idea, dude. I just feel like it's always been around. Same. Damn. Um, so I, I think I always just sort of correlated it with old people music, not to be... Yeah, that's uh, fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, the first album that we're talking about is their fucking fifth album? Yeah, it's their Damn. fifth album came out in 77. Yeah. So it is old people music just by, <laughs> just by definition. Um, but the first album that we are talking about is ABBA's The Album, which came out in 1977. And this album uh, is the only proper, like, actual studio album that I own by ABBA. And these um, were not purchased by me. These are my wife Hannah's albums. Um, nice. She grew up huge ABBA fan. And to answer the question that I asked you, I would have said yes. I, I would consider okay. myself... Uh, a passing fan. Like I enjoy ABBA's music. Sure. And listening to the album for this, I can say that that holds for me more or less. 
um, certain songs on this album uh, hit different hearing them in a context. Because I don't think this was, I think actually this was my first time sitting with this album mm-hmm. since it entered the collection. Um, I've, I've listened to both of the greatest hits that we'll, we'll cover in a moment, but I'd never sat with a proper ABBA album. So doing that, I actually had a really good time with this uh, until uh, the last three tracks. Okay. Uh, I kind of um, aggressively don't like <laughs> those <laughs> tracks. Nice. <laughs> like at all, uh, which makes sense because it's, it's like a weird uh, mini musical is what it's okay. written as on Discogs huh. and Wiki and everything that I can see is the first uh, six songs are like proper the album. And then the last three are a part of this mini musical called the girl with the golden hair. Huh. Um, and th- those songs are thank you for the music. I wonder departure and I'm a marionette. Uh, if you know ABBA at all in passing, if you know Mamma Mia or Dancing Queen, um, I mean, you know what ABBA sounds like, right? Sure, yeah. The, this album's not any different than that, really. Yet, in looking it up, this album was considered like a pretty crucial turning point huh. for ABBA, which is odd to me because this is, this has, I mean, I don't know what's considered the biggest ABBA songs. I can only go by what I've heard the most. Yeah. So, like, outside of Dancing Queen and um, fucking Mamma Mia. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, Take a Chance on Me is easily okay. one of the biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. ones. I've heard that forever. And that comes from this album, the album. Saying this and the album is going to confuse the hell out of me. <laughs> but we are still talking about ABBA's 1977 album, the album. Um. So hearing, like, Take a Chance on Me in context with uh, coming right after Eagle, right before One Man, One Woman, and the name of the game, it's interesting to see how this was considered such a step forward for them. The, uh, let me read the blurb that I found about that to give it some more context. Yeah, uh, according to John Rockwell with Rolling Stone, Um, they reviewed the album favorably when it came out and they wrote that the album represents an interesting departure from their past formulas like innocently superficial lyrics, bouncy Europop music, rock energy amplification, soaring melodies to a more mature and intelligent sound. And I saw a lot of critics um, making comparisons to Fleetwood Mac around this time saying this album leans more into that kind of artsy folky poppy rocky realm rather than the more like euro pop is the best way to describe it in my opinion rather than that and being just very much like dancing queen (laughs) stuff um but that just goes to show i may have just said dancing queen i have no idea when that song came out that could have come either. out. That could have come out after this. <laughs> it could have come out before it. I'm gonna look it up real quick to make sure. Came out the year before, so I'm still right. Okay, uh, nice. I'm all good. Don't need to make any edits here, Randy. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was interesting to see that this album was considered a turning point for them because specifically, uh, "Take a Chance on Me" is like such a 
staple. Like when I think of ABBA, that's one of the songs I think of. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's like a signature for them. But for the time period, it was like a departure for them, which is interesting. Um, Going through this, though, uh, I really was keying into, cluing into ABBA's influence today. Okay. In a lot of ways, because I was hearing a ton of stuff. Um, one Man, One Woman on the album uh, is straight up a, like a gospel, like worship yeah, yeah. song almost. Uh, and I don't mean that badly, just like that's what it struck me um, or how it struck me. But specifically the track Move On, uh, which is delightful. I wrote that just something about it hit me so hard that if Sufjan Stevens were to truly make a Sufjan pop album, not the Ascension, like he said was his pop album, Mm -hmm. not that depressing ass shit like the Ascension, which I love. I am one of the few people that really likes that album. Um, I think video game is a fucking bop. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Love that album. But if he were to do another quote unquote pop album and do it more in the style of Illinois, that song move on by ABBA. Interesting. Yeah. Would fit perfectly in that realm. Well, listen to it. Listen to it again. Yeah. You got to give it another spin with that context. I think that really, it really helped contextualize things for me of like truly just seeing their influence on not even like pop or mainstream music, but like Sufjan's big, but yeah, when Illinois came out, he wasn't huge. Like Illinois is what made totally. him much larger. Um, but yeah, this, uh, I was actually quite surprised, uh, with how much I enjoyed this. Um, the, the, like I said, the first six tracks are, are awesome. The song, um, the standout track for me from it is hole in your soul, but <sighs> But I really love Move On and In the Name of the or the Name of the Game. But the reason why I ultimately chose Hole in Your Soul is uh are you familiar with the band Cavella Talk? Uh no. We'll get to them. I have Sweet. one of their albums in the collection. They are a uh Norwegian thrashy. They used to be a little heavier. Now they're more playful, um okay. to, to keep using that word, but Cavella Talk would absolutely destroy a cover of Hole in Your Soul by ABBA. <laughs> and I am I'm saying that so I can manifest it because I think at the stage Cavella Talk is in their career, it could be something they would do. Huh. Because for you as like homework, if you remember to do it, because I will forget that I'm giving you this assignment, yeah. uh, check out the song 1985 by Cavella Talk. Okay. Um, it's easily their catchiest, poppiest, but it, I can't stop listening to it. And the whole, it's not in English. I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> None of it. Like they have like lines in English now and then throughout yeah, yeah, their yeah. songs, but they're in Norwegian. It's fucking. Okay. What are cool. you going to do? Uh, I was li- going to say I'm more of a 1979 guy. Smash, smash. Hell yeah. SP baby, SP. Come on. You know what? Did you read, um, uh, that interview that Billy Corgan gave a while back about uh, why he was sad when Kurt Cobain died? I don't think so, no. <laughs> he uh, claimed that he was uh, 
he was really deeply impacted by Kurt Cobain's death because he, quote, lost his greatest rival. Interesting. Billy Corgan's yeah. an asshole. Yeah, he does kind of seem that way. <laughs> but I will say I, I fuck with Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, same. I like a good amount of their shit. So yeah, for ABBA, the album had a good time. The last three songs on it, uh, the only one that I give any real merit personally is I'm a Marionette uh, because it has a pretty ripping guitar solo uh, toward the end. Uh, or I think it actually is the end of the song. But yes. overall, those two, three tracks are pure theater kid en- energy. And yeah, I don't have space for that in my life. Same. Yeah, you spoke to it a little bit, but on Wikipedia, it lists the genre as art rock, which like oh. today I would not consider this no. art rock. I would consider like, you know, David Byrne talking heads like art rock. I was going to say like, that's the definition of art rock in my yeah. mind. But yeah, I guess if you take it to like the sort of theater kid sort of like portion of like a, a of art it, that makes sense. I think that's always what I kind of didn't like about ABBA or that's stuff fair. that sounds like ABBA's. It's a little too, like, a little too clean, a little too, like, Recitally, theatrical. And, like, yeah. yeah, too, like, too major key, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Too, too clean, too nice. It's, it's squeaky. It's, yeah. yeah. There's no, there's no bite. There's no grit <laughs> no. anywhere to be found. Uh, and it, that doesn't change on the greatest hits because the greatest hits are, yeah, they're all bops. They're so probably like, the more poppy songs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, 1977's The Album, uh, like I said, was their fifth album. And then two years later, we are now moving on. Oh, did you have a, did you have a standout? <laughs> did you have one? I, for I don't really for the, okay. for the ABBA portion. <laughs> I kind of figured as much. Uh, I do for that one. Like I said, it's hole in your soul mostly, but I do fuck with move on and the name of the game. Um, but uh, on the greatest hits, we are now going to uh, 1979's compilation, greatest hits volume two. I do not have volume one. And I, I didn't look it up, so I don't even know what's on volume one. But what's on volume two is that it starts really fucking strong with Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight, baby. And that song, it fucking slaps, dude. I don't think I know that one. Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight. I'm not singing that right at huh. all, dude. I'm that, sure once I heard it, I'd probably recognize it. But. Yeah, it didn't sound like what I just did. <laughs> um, it's really great. Uh, yeah, you'd probably recognize it uh, once it came back, comes back on. Uh, but that is not even close to the, uh, the star of the show because we've got uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh-huh. And it's got that vocal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kills me. Love that shit. Knowing Me, Knowing You is uh, top five ABBA for me, for sure. Nice. Not that you're keeping a score of the top <laughs> ABBA songs. I oh, know, I got a list. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, this comp was really solid for me. Um, uh, and I think it's because there isn't a lot of crossover with the album. Okay. So yeah. There's not a ton of songs that were on there. Um, the... It did have one of the theater kids songs, though, from the album. It has I Wonder Departure. And I wrote, this is where uh, ABBA is starting to lose me. (laughs) Uh, 
I'm reading my notes. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is where ABBA started to lose me. Um, it's making the concept of having to go through another compilation a bit daunting. <laughs> yeah. And admittedly, I did skip the last two tracks on this comp <laughs> nice. because I had just listened to them on the album. That's fair. Yeah. And I had looked up, I was like, okay, if these are from like a different session or something, I'll give yeah. it a shot. They're from the fucking album. Huh. So there was no point in me doing that to myself. Um, especially because one year after <laughs> ABBA Greatest Hits Volume 2, we get uh, ABBA, the magic of ABBA. And this one's a cash grab, like straight up, in my opinion. Uh, from the way that it's labeled on Discogs and Wikipedia, it purely looks like this is Warner or whoever. Yeah, Warner Brothers, KTEL, those are the labels listed. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to make some money. Fair. Is how it feels. Uh, yeah. My notes literally say this came out in 1980 and is likely a cash grab. As good as these songs are, some of these are tough on repeated <laughs> listens. Immediate repeated listens and become quite grating. Yeah. Uh, Waterloo, the track Waterloo, I wrote was an absolute reprieve to me because every song before it I had just heard uh, on yeah, I see that. the other stuff. Um, Does Your Mother Know still rips. That is the one song that repeated that I really was like, okay, I actually like this song quite a bit because I didn't mind it repeating. Hmm. Um, this also made me realize that though we'll, we'll be covering them in master list order, I don't have to listen to them in master sure. list <laughs> order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was on the third ABBA album where I was like, I could have put some albums in between these. Yeah. <laughs> It may have been better, yeah. It may have been a lot better, and I think I'm going to do that moving forward. But I also think this is the only instance where we're going to have multiple comps by one artist. That would I make d- sense. I yeah. don't think we have greatest multiple greatest hits by other bands in the collection. Uh, and the reason uh, we own these two comps specifically, I got Hannah to give me the lowdown, it's because... Um, Greatest Hits Volume 2 has, um, Take a Chance on Me. Uh, the first comp, Greatest Hits Volume 2, has Take a Chance on Me, uh, whereas The Magic of ABBA has Fernando. Okay. And Mama Me. Got it. Uh, and Dancing Queen. So nice. one comp has, like, the B hits, and the other comp has the A hits, like the mm. real megastar hits. So that's why we've got two, but the rest is complete crossover. And it it leaves me realizing that ABBA is very good and very influential, and I really enjoy them in passing. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. These will not be albums that I put on. Period. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Uh, I would for Hannah. Sure. Um, I would if asked and I would not do it uh, with animosity, (laughs) Uh, but it would not be my first choice. Um, I was really hoping honestly that they were going to like really click for me. I thought it would be fun for them to really click for me. And maybe they could if I stick to album proper. Sure. 
I just don't I got too much other shit I'm interested in. Yeah. To in worry this, about uh, ABBA. In this exercise, I know these technically aren't your records, these yeah. ABBA yeah. records, but do you uh, potentially see yourself listening to anything and getting rid of them? I have, that is also a part of this. Um, nice. These I can't because yeah. they're not mine to get rid of. Um, and I honestly wouldn't because uh, they're, they don't, it's three records. They don't take up that much space and they've got enough, they've got enough bops to where I would convince myself yeah. that one day I would really, really want to hear, does your mother know? Even though I could just pull that up on YouTube or sure. something, but, uh, yeah, I am curious if I'm going to end up with anywhere I just flat out dislike the album these days or am so indifferent yeah. that I just get rid of it. I, I've done it before, before we started doing this. Um, that's usually what I do when, whenever I sell a record, I give it like a week mm-hmm. of stewing on it, re-listening. Do I like this? Is there any merit here? Uh, and there's going to be a couple that we get to that I've ultimately kept that I'm still on the fence about because uh, I have a hard time letting go, Randy. Sure. Same. Very hard time. I don't like change and I second guess myself when I get rid of something. I'm like, that's going to be needed later. <laughs> yeah. Not in like a hoarder sense. I'm not a hoarder yeah. by any means. Uh, I will throw, th- but like if I bought it, like I don't keep trash, but if I bought something or if it was like a gift, it's hard for me to let that go. Yeah, um, I feel you. Yeah, there's a huge chunk of emo records in this collection that I'm just like, I don't listen to any of this shit anymore. But my 19-year-old self loved this so much Yeah, that I just feel weird getting rid of it now. I've gotten rid of some, keeping some. We'll see. ABBA's staying, though. Okay. ABBA can stay. Uh I don't know how much more ABBA will enter the collection. <laughs> I won't be buying it personally. Yeah. Uh, I would get some more one speed bike if I came across it, but not ABBA. Totally. I love a lot of, a lot of seventies music, but uh, ABBA is, I'd put them in the C tier okay. for myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, no awakened love of ABBA within you. Uh, no, <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> Maybe give it another like 10 years or something. That's, that's fair. Uh, okay. So if you want like a deep dive on ABBA, I'm sure there's a podcast there. That's not going to be sure. us. Yeah. We'll go much deeper into other stuff. This first episode is honestly uh, full of things that aren't super researchable outside of ABBA. Yeah. So smaller releases are, uh, in the case of our next record, uh, more recent releases that haven't had a ton of time to marinate within the cultural zeitgeist. But uh, do you have any idea of how to pronounce the last her last name before I try? Uh, Charlotte Adigiri? That's how I was going to do it. Okay. I believe. And then it's Boli Poupou, something like that. Ah, okay. Yeah, because it's French, right? Uh, I believe French, yeah. I think they're, what are they, uh, Dutch as well? Dutch, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I was uh, I watched a KEXP session and oh. they pronounced both their names. So that's oh, where I, I heard that. Okay, yeah. thank you. Beautiful. Uh, and this album is called Topical Dancer. This came out in 2022. This is a uh, French, Dutch, English dance pop 
Album? Yeah, kind of experimental. There's like yeah. some cool like sound design and yeah, a lot of like really like catchy synthy stuff and very like sardonic lyrics. Yeah. Uh, again, this is the album that I we brought up earlier um, with One Speed Bike. So this yeah. is the one that I would classify as on the nose in a lot of respects, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's, it's, it's a very fun album. It's it done in a very like fun, kind of like tongue in cheek kind of yeah. way. Yet when you do break the lyrics down and look at it, it's very serious. Totally. What it's yeah. talking about. It's just taught. Like I wrote an example from um, one of the tracks. The lyric is, do you lose your moral compass in a Starbucks queue? yeah (laughs) or like siri tell me what to do stuff like that yeah uh the first time i listened to it outside of being like um brought in by the interesting production and music is i think it's the song blenda yeah yep which is my standout track of the album actually love 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 this song and i believe that is the one where she sings to siri directly and it's the uh siri can you tell me where i belong that's right yeah that's the first lyric that like really caught me on my first listen to the album. And it made me go back, restart the album and sit with the lyrics and be like, Oh, okay, this is what's going on. And I also read the title until this time. I thought the album was called tropical dancer. Funny you say that I was looking at the document and like typed it into Spotify as tropical dancer too. And then like, wait, once I started listening to the, like lyrics on the album it's like oh yep reading this wrong the entire time <laughs> until we until it was on the list to do this podcast i uh had been calling it the wrong thing no one ever corrected me but i'd only talked to two people about it uh sure. yasin who gave me the album and hannah who was just listening with me so she didn't even read it yeah so i lied to her on accident um the for as heavy and topical uh this album is it is very fun. Yeah. Um, if if the music wasn't so good and it wasn't executed in such a confident, playful way, it the it being on the nose could be really cringy. Yeah. This could these exact same lyrics could be awful in different hands and be so sure. cheesy and so like a fucking Democrat or something. (laughs) I don't know. Like just the most typical liberal bullshit. It could be in lesser hands, but, uh, how do you pronounce his name? His first name? Uh, bully, bully. I think. Yeah. Well, Charlotte and bully, uh, have very, are, are, they're very capable of pulling this off clearly and they do a great job. And for everything they're talking about, you still walk away with, a very positive experience in my yeah. opinion. Um, I was a uh, very taken even just by like the opening track, which is kind of like a, uh, so I'm reading the uh, Wikipedia page and apparently it's like a, a field recording of uh, Hello, Charlotte entering the recording Hello? studio. Mm. Um, so she's like buzzing in, then you hear like two people talk, but it's kind Hello, of like, Charlotte. it's edited and kind of like mixed. In a way that is very like rhythmic. Yes. And it kind of sounds like a song, but it's just like two people speaking in French, uh, like on other sides of the intercom or whatever. But I was like, okay, this is very, very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that that's what that came from. I did not see that part. Yeah. That's cool as hell. 
Uh, and going further on production, while Blenda is probably my favorite song on the record, uh, the production of Ha Ha and just like the weirdness of the vocal and the choices of that song. Yeah. Fucking love it. It's so goddamn good. And uh, that song in particular made me be uh, be like, this is in the realm of Matmos or Shushu. Okay. Like yeah. they could... A Shushu remix of Ha Ha or like a Matmos remix of Blenda would be so fucking sick. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. they would do a great job. It's a, uh, it's a very good headphone album. I didn't have mm. the, the record to play it on, but um, I'm sure it sounds great, you know, through a, a good system too. But it's doing a lot of like, a, like interesting like panning and stuff like yeah. that. Um, Funny enough, I've never listened to this on headphones. Interesting. I've only yeah. listened to it on vinyl. It's good. When... Okay, that's actually a good question. Does is there any sort of break where they say that you are now on a different side of the album on the digital? I don't know. There might be. Because on Wax, when you flip the record, there's like five seconds where she is like giving a quick code and then saying like side B. And oh, then the, and then the album starts. I'd have to listen to it again. Starts. I uh, this is another album that I definitely will listen to again. I mm-hmm. saved it on Spotify. I think I've only listened to the full thing uh, once, and I listened to a couple tracks yeah. uh, several times, uh, including Blenda. But yeah, Such I'd have to song. listen through again for that. Yeah, uh, I never caught it. Uh, I guess I was just more absent listening um, prior on prior listens. But since we were doing it for the pod, I was listening more intently, and it's every time you flip the record, it happens, huh. uh, and it's cool. I. I like little things like that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of meta. Yeah. It's yeah. A little, and I think that goes in line with, with the record itself, with the lyrics, with the intent of the record. Um, this is the type of socially conscious art that I really appreciate because it's able to get its point and message across without talking down to anybody as well as not like spewing this isn't there's no vitriol there's no hatred there's no rage here yeah there's anger there's discontent there's a recognition of the the shit but there isn't it's done with an air of playful community that there's there's a way through things by talking about it by making fun of it by singing and dancing about it i don't know this this listen really it's probably because of the world we're living in sure it's yeah. got it like it's this can't this only came out last year um yeah. so it's not it's not that long ago by any means but just every day that goes by the shit's more and more present in our lives so yeah even the uh so the the lyric before the lyric you cited earlier um siri can you tell me where i belong uh is go back to your country where you belong right and it's said so catchy and like the music behind it is almost like very i think part of the song kind of reminds me of like lcd sound system oh i can hear that for sure um so yeah you like it gets stuck in your head and you're like kind of like want to sing along but then you're singing along you're like oh this is (laughs) this is quite dark and especially as as two white guys yeah. singing 
along to a song by yeah. a black woman and uh, a non-American black woman. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot to chew on for sure. Um, and I think that just can that just plays into enhancing the experience of it because yeah, it's d- very digestible pop dance totally. pop. And it's not when you actually recognize what you just took a mouthful of. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's kind of tough to swallow at times. Um, but this album, I I was a complete surprise to me when Yasin gave it to me. I'd never heard it before. Uh, really enjoyed it on my first listen, and doing this re-listen, um, it'll be one that I I gotta remember to pull out a bit more. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I, I said I said this off off mic, but uh, the only reason I ended up with this is because it got water damage to shit. Um, my my friend and bandmate ordered this album from the label, um, which I think is because music. Let me double check on that. Uh, because music and D we D E E W E E. He ordered this album, and it yeah, it just came completely water damaged. Um, so he got a brand new copy and didn't want to just throw it away. So he gave it to me to see if it could be salvaged and uh, it plays perfectly fine. So nice. the artwork is, uh, or the the sleeve is all fucked up, but <laughs> record plays fine. So I don't care. Um, and I got a, I got a cool, cool album out of it and listen to something I wouldn't have uh, listened to otherwise. Yeah, it's a good find. And uh, the KEXP session they did uh, live. It sounds great too. Yeah, um, I got to check that and they out. Do, I was listening to that at work with headphones on as well. And there's a lot of the like stereo sort of like panning mm-hmm. with like vocals and stuff too. So cool. It'd be really awesome to see them live. I'm sure too. Oh God. Yeah. I'd be curious how often they come to the States. Um, I don't know where they're like based out of exactly, but yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be a sick live show. Are you familiar with Genesis Owusu? Sort of. Yeah. Vaguely. My, uh, my friend Jeff, who I played in a post-rock band with, uh, back in Oakland, he, is a big fan and was talking about them for a while. Then I think he saw them on the same tour that I think you saw them mm-hmm. on a couple of weeks before or whatever, Hell but yeah. it was I haven't show. really listened to it. This, uh, these are very, they're doing very different things. Um, yeah. but the putting heavy content with some playful lyrics and in more digestible dancey songs, uh, is definitely, they're in the same lane, lane cool. of that. Um, Black Dog by Genesis Owusu is a great song, as is uh, uh, I Don't Need You. Check out Genesis Owusu. We'll eventually get to him and his record uh, as the episodes go on. But uh, if you're familiar with him and you like that stuff, give Topical Dancer a shot because I think there's a lot of um, stylistic crossover and intentional crossover, uh, what their intent on the albums were. So with that, we have uh, we've gotten to our last album of the week, Randy. Yes, sir. I feel like moving forward, we'll probably have a lot more to say, especially for the next episode. Um, sure. Be able to go a little bit more in depth. But uh, on this one, it really felt like a shotgun scatter shot of uh, it did, yeah. <laughs> of some random stuff which is good because this is kind of the intent of what we're trying to do here and to end it on advanced bass 
his album in Bloomington. I feel it's a little apt. Why do I feel it's apt? I don't really know. I think it's because he's the only one that uh, I was like familiar with of this group uh, well before this idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, his name is, um, I am blanking on his last name for some reason, but his name is Owen. Um, he is a, uh, Owen Ashworth. He is a, uh, California based musician who, if you're familiar with his most known project, I believe this was him. Yes. He was, uh, Cassio tone for the painfully alone, which, I cannot say I've ever listened to, but apparently that was quite well known in like DIY circles. Um, uh, interestingly enough, he tried to base that project around similar guidelines as Dogma 95. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Which, That's cool. for those unfamiliar with Dogma 95, that is a uh, Danish, yeah, Danish film movement. Yeah. Um, uh, started in the 90s by Lars von Trier and... Vinterberg. Vinterberg. Who Tom, did uh, Another yeah. Round, yeah. He did, yeah. Uh, arguably, that's his biggest movie, right? I'd say that so, or The yeah. Hunt, those oh, two. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Both with Mads uh, Mikkelsen. Um, most controversially, I think he's known for The, the Celebration. Uh, which is like one of his darker, yeah. earlier movies. Controversially, just because of the content of the film, but... Totally. Um, he, yeah, him and Von Trier set up Dogma 95. Uh, I don't think anybody has ever actually made a 100% pure yeah. Dogma 95 <laughs> They all break movie. their own rules to yeah. an extent, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have to. Okay, so here are the rules for Dogma 95. There are 10 of them. Uh, shooting must be done on location. Um, so any props or sets or whatever that you need need to be found on site. You can't bring any outside stuff in. Uh, the sound must be produ- must never be produced apart from the images and vice versa. So what is that? Uh, that'd be non-diegetic sound because diegetic sound is happening within the realm of the world and non-diegetic is like the score. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it would need to be all diegetic sound, meaning if there's a song playing, it's got to come from a radio that's in the shot. If they're, or like the car or something like that. If there's a gun shot, it's got to be the gun in the scene actually making the noise, stuff like that. Um, Camera must be handheld. Kind of plain and simple there. Uh, The film must be in color with no uh, special lighting. It needs to be all natural lighting. Um, Optical work and filters are forbidden. The film must contain uh, no superficial action, so no murders or weapons or anything. death and stuff is von trier immediately broke that yeah definitely (laughs) uh uh, temporal and geographical alienation are forbidden uh this is to say that the film needs to take place in the present um yeah as well as take place in the reality of like where it's being shot so uh which is also something that von trier breaks yeah constantly because I'm just, I'm thinking of Dancer in the Dark is the one that keeps coming to okay. me because that yeah, movie yeah. supposed to be set in America. A lot of his movies, like the, that trilogy, is supposed to be set in America. Sure, sure. And yeah. he's never been to America because <laughs> he has such a fear of flying. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, genre movies are not acceptable. Ha! Interesting. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know if I've read through these in like 
A it's been a time. minute since yeah. I have too, so this is this is funny to me. Uh, the film format must be Academy 35 millimeter, and the director must not be credited. So, Owen Ashworth took that and uh, tried to uh, make rules for his Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone project, which involved uh, he could only make short songs. They had to be played in the key of C. And they had to be on only the white notes of his Casio keyboard. Pretty hmm. neat. I like working in those guidelines, or not those, but some parameters. Yeah. As as a creative, as a musician, um, it's not a big one, but for Clot, the band that I'm in, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, something that I set up for myself at the very beginning of the band was no profanity. I'm yeah. not going to swear in my lyrics. Uh, I did edit that a bit, just like Von Trier does. <laughs> sure. Uh, to where no profanity that isn't in the Bible. Okay, interesting. So I, piss isn't in the Bible, but I don't think piss is a swear word. Me neither. Uh, so I do say piss, and I, uh, bastard is honestly the word that I needed to use that I yeah, was yeah. like, that's in the Bible, so I can, I can say huh. bastard. I can say hell, and I can say uh, damned. Okay. But yeah. not like, damn. Sure. Yeah, so it's, it's fun, little yeah. parameters. So I get that. Um, I Like I said, I don't know Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone very well, uh, or at all, actually. But uh, he did that for quite a while until he uh, retired that and started going as Advanced Bass. And Advanced Bass is, I believe they started around 2012. It may have been... That, uh, that's when their first album came out was 2012. It follows what it sounds like he was doing with Casio Tone, just a little bit more fleshed out. Um, have you heard him before this? No, I hadn't. And uh, yeah, he's from not far from where I grew up. Okay, uh, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. So it says he's like born or from Redwood City, which was like 40 minutes from oh, like shoot. where I grew up. Uh, cool. Parents used to go to punk rock shows there uh, all the time. And I'm sure he probably played around San Francisco. Oakland uh, all the time. There is a song called Christmas in Oakland uh, on this album. Record, so. Or second song on the record, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, never was aware of him. I probably, it's probably one of those bands that I'd like, would have seen if I was like First. three, four years older. Something oh, like that, just 100%. judging by what I can see on uh, like Wikipedia when he was like active. He will be, um, let me see. I believe he is, uh, Chicago based now. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's in California. Yeah. He's out of uh, Chicago. Um, he will, uh, this episode's coming out. Okay. He will currently, he's currently on tour. If, uh, you are, um, interested in seeing him, he hit Georgia in, uh, May. Um, but he is still on tour this month and that ends in July. So I believe this episode is coming out on the 11th. He will be in Pittsburgh tonight. Um, and then he'll be, uh, hitting the Northeast. Um, if you have any interest, uh, which I think is apt to mention live because this is a live album. Yeah. Um, it is called in Bloomington and it came out in, um, 2016 and let me just quickly read this little blurb that is on the packaging for the record. Um, this is not as long as the one speed bike one, so don't worry. Um, <clears throat> a live concert recording from December 11th, 2015 
documenting a rare full band incarnation of Owen Ashworth's Chicago, Illinois bedroom pop project. In Bloomington explodes the claustrophobia of Ashworth's melancholic and nostalgic home recordings into something grand, human, and joyous, captured in glorious high fidelity. I gotta say that that blurb is pretty spot on, that this is captured quite gloriously. (laughs) This album sounds awesome. Yeah. For a lo-fi bedroom pop project, for them to get a full band, a rare full band live recording that sounds this clean. I don't know, man. I, I love this album. I actually listened to this quite a bit. Um, or I did when, when I got it. Yeah. Um, this is one that I got at criminal records. I found it used, um, for 10 bucks and, I'd been looking for advanced space stuff for a while and I, I'm familiar, uh, quite familiar with his album, um, animal companionship, which came out after this, I believe that came out in 2018. Um, he, that's the album that introduced me to him. And then I bought this just having no idea what it was, just reading that it was live and I am a sucker for live albums and, got it and immediately i i already knew this uh based on listening to his um animal companionship album but since this was your first listen to him do you i don't want to lead you but i am just gonna flat out ask the question then sure bazan is this bazan vibes because yeah. to me, like that's that was like the selling point when I first got into him was just like, oh, you want more David Bazan that isn't David Bazan? Here you go. Yeah. Uh, on this listen, though, I really felt the differences okay. in him and Bazan. Like I really yeah. noticed like how different his voice is. That was going to be my main yeah. thing too. Like uh, Bazan has a much more traditionally good voice yeah yeah yeah. um i i tend to like people that have sort of like a weird interesting weird voice that is sort of imperfect all my favorite singers couldn't sing that's a david berman quote silver jews yeah 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 um so yeah i I think musically i would say yeah pretty similar to what i know of david bazan which is not a ton especially his solo work the like blanco and care specifically those two albums yeah it's very in the realm of advanced space, but knowing that you are a Bazan fan, at least to the extent that you are, I was curious if um, that uh, uh, crossover was entering your mind because I have read the little bit that I read critically of advanced space work. It seems David Bazan comes up a good bit hmm. um, and maybe it's because it's a, white bearded dudes singing really sad minimal minimalistic songs but yeah i I don't know uh on this listen i i felt it a lot less okay um whereas that was the reason i initially got into it um or that's what drew me toward it uh this time i really appreciated it on its own and i really locked in on like this is a fucking live album and they sound so good yeah so good um the opening track and i also realized this is the first time i've listened to this album in the summer which is funny 
or around the summer, I should say. Sure. This, because of Christmas in Oakland, because yeah. of the opening track, uh, and I didn't realize until now, I wasn't cognizant of it, that this was recorded in December of 2015. This has always been a winter album to me. Makes since sense, I've got yeah. It. And I didn't really know why until this listen. Um, and I wrote, Christmas in Oakland, opening everything really sets the tone for this to be a wintry, chilly album, but the tone that is captured and his voice adds like such a warmth to everything. It's like a feeling of chilliness within the coldness of winter Mm -hmm. or a feeling of warmth within the coldness of winter. It's, I don't know, man, this, this listen, this album resonated with me harder than it has at all prior nice yeah um the stairway to heaven interlude uh it's everything's great (laughs) on here um i will say it fucked me up because i don't listen to stuff digitally i really don't very often and the way this has always been written uh because i wasn't paying attention as deeply as i was on this listen i always thought on side two i always thought i really liked the song bobby malone and then there were two more tracks for the album. There's Bobby Malone, there's Moves Home, and there's Kitty Win. Yeah. The song's called Bobby Malone Moves Home. Uh, Did not realize that was, yeah. <laughs> that was not two separate songs. But when you look at it, that's confusing. Okay, yeah, that is weird. It's, they're on like two different lines? They're on two different lines, and like it's not broken up any other way. Like, it's That's funny. Yeah. It's an odd placement, um, but it is one song. And that is the standout track for me on this one. It's Bobby Malone Moves Home or Trisha Please Come Home, which is funny because uh, they both are about coming home. Nice. Yeah, I put uh, Bobby Malone Moves Home uh, and then Christmas in Oakland just because of the title. Yeah. And from living in Oakland before I moved out here. And then um, Summer Music. Summer Music, I wrote, this is wistful and lovely. Yeah, I liked. So actually the context of the Dogma 95 thing makes a little more sense to me because the one like critical note that I would have about it is that it sounds a little one note. Okay. Like yeah, a lot yeah. of the songs sound very similar, totally. especially because of his voice. Like, like I said, I like his voice, but I don't know. A lot of it just like kind of all sounded the same to me, but I think those summer music and Bobby Malone have like a more upbeat sort of a feel to it. I mean this with no rude, bone yeah no no animosity in my heart when i say this but he kind of sounds like a muppet (laughs) sure (laughs) like 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 i don't his voice is odd or he can sing yeah he absolutely can sing this isn't this isn't that full quote of all my favorite singers couldn't sing he just definitely has a unique voice that is the, the joke that I have made previously that though I said he's moving away from Bazan is he's the Muppet version of Bazan, <laughs> uh, which I don't think is, is the worst thing in the world to be called, but no. the Muppets rule, right? Yeah. That's fine. I still love this album and uh, this, this guy's work, but it's really like the second that you start this album, when he says it's Christmas in Oakland, 
you're either going to be in or out. Yeah. Because he does. I'm not going to do an impression. <laughs> I could. I, I need to practice it off, off mic. But yeah, uh, he. It, it starts immediately with. Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, he. he uh, we'll post a clip. We'll post a clip. Yeah. On the socials. It's Christmas in Oakland. I don't feel. You're, you're going to be in or you're going to be out. It's. Uh, it's not the craziest voice you've ever heard by any means. It's not like Joanna Newsom's like 18th century child vo- singing true. voice. Although that I she do puts like on. Joanna Newsom as oh, well. Dude, I fucking love Joanna Newsom. She's back, baby. Uh, we'll get to her eventually. And she's uh, she's in, in Inherent Vice, I believe, too. Yes, yeah, she is in Inherent great. Vice. Uh, she is. She's the narrator of that movie. Damn. Yes, that's right. I need to rewatch that. Me too. I haven't watched that since theaters. Shoot. My dad, here's an aside. Uh, my dad, uh, around the time that movie came out, hit me up and was talking to me about this hilarious movie that he had just seen. And it was that. <laughs> nice. And my dad is the, this is the same man that walked out of The Master. Oh, wow. By the same guy. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Walked out of that movie with my family. My whole family went to see that movie. Which is not a movie you go see weird. your family yeah. with. Go to see. I have one of those. We'll talk about it later. Hell yeah! Uh, he walked out of the master and was just like, "That's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> Yet then comes to me and says, "Inherent Vice is one of the funniest things he's ever seen in his life." That's and awesome. I didn't even find that movie that funny. I just liked it. Yeah. quite a bit. And I was like, "You thought that?" He's like, "It's hilarious." I'm like, "What is wrong with you?" The master was funnier to me. I don't know. Yeah. The master is arguably my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson, but my, that is uh, well off base. Because it makes sense to the episode talking about Lars von Trier and Dogma 95, mm-hmm. my uh, movie that I went with my sister and my parents to uh, was we were in Rome. Oh, I know about I this. think I told you this. Yeah, yeah. we were in Rome and uh, <laughs> Melancholia was playing, but it was playing uh, in Europe before, like months before it would come to America. So... There was like yeah. a couple of theaters close to where to we were staying. Yeah, I had to go see it. I was like, hey, I really want to go see this movie. But I like, you guys are not going to be into it. Like, trust oh, no, me. we'll go. Yeah. And then so we eventually all ended up going. It was like, cool. It was fun. But my sister had nightmares that night uh, after seeing Melancholia. So, and then the rest of my family was like, uh, yeah, it's uh, Wait, interesting. She had, she had nightmares about a film that posits that the end of the world is going to happen. Yes. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Pretty and much. it's going to be incredibly painful leading up to it. Yeah, pretty and there's, much. And there's no life after. Correct. I will yeah. say, though, which I told them, if you think about it, the very last shot, the ending is very beautiful. Yeah? Yeah. I'm trying to remember the exact last shot. It's a... The, the, they make the, like, fake tent or whatever, and she, right. like, kind of assures them. She, like, kind of gets out of her depression and, like, assures them it's going to be, like, okay or whatever. And they're all kind of, like, hugging, and then then the planet comes, and, yeah, that world ends. But If y'all haven't seen Melancholia, uh, slap on uh, advanced bases in Bloomington and put on Melancholia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they actually have nothing to do with each other. Um, I think advanced bases... Um, a bit more hopeful than Lars von Trier. Definitely. Actually, I had another question. <laughs> yeah. Did you listen to him much? Uh, like, not growing up, but I guess in previous years, and was it any influence on your other project, Hard? Oh, um, for Advanced Bass specifically? Yeah, yeah. Um, Advanced Bass, I got into uh, in 2018. So he was in my, he was in my wheelhouse, uh, 
while working on the Hark stuff. Okay. So I wouldn't say consciously, but there's definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, like consciously, it's Bazan. Like okay, that, that is, makes sense. That is yeah, my yeah. that is my um for the stuff that's come out for Hark. Uh, it was very much uh, Bazan, Pedro the Lion, uh, and like Silver Juice, David Berman okay. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just trying to piece it together, but I I. I would not brush off that uh, his ethos or his yeah. tone didn't also influence yeah. some about it. Yeah, when I was listening, kind of reminded me of it, and I was like, I could like maybe see this potentially being an influence a little bit. Yeah, whether it's intentional or not. Mm. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't disagree if someone said anything that I did, especially on that uh, first Hark album. If they yeah. said like, oh, this was kind of advanced bassy. I'm like, sure. Why not? Definitely love that shit. Um, like I said, the uh, album after this is the one that I was introduced to him with. Animal Companionship. That's on Run for Cover. Oh, nice. um, this one is... I, I need to go back and listen to like the albums proper and see because uh, that blurb on the front of this says like this is an expanded like full band fully fleshed out thing. So I'm curious if he is as minimalistic like those Dogma 95 rules for Casio that he set for himself. If it's like still that minimal on record. Yeah. Um, because live like this is definitely still minimal what's going yeah, on on sure. these songs. Um, it truly just like, and I know it like is, I want to see exactly if it says this is the block house in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm not familiar with there, but it truly feels like you're in someone's apartment. It does. Yeah. Like, like a bazaar living room show. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, which if you're not familiar, uh, David Bazan and a lot of people on, I don't, I don't think it's the label. It might be the management company undertow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of their artists, uh, do living room tours, um, or essentially house shows that they find a host and then they sell tickets online and then you get the address after you buy a ticket and all of you just know what city it's in type of deal. And I've seen this on this way three or four times. And this is, this album is the closest like recording that I've come across that captured that feeling yeah of being in the room with the artist and like really really taking it in um we'll get to it later but uh uh feist the most recent feist tour um apparently didn't sell that well Mm -hmm. um and when i saw her uh i'm not sure if she was doing this at every show but she had a very small circular stage in the middle of the the pit area and performed half the set solo acoustic there. And re-listening to this, it just like that intimacy was evoked of that Feist show and the intimacy of the Bazan shows while listening to this. And it's made me, it's re, re-energized that kind of scrappy DIY I can do everything on my own Yeah, type of beat within me. Um, don't know if I'm going to do much with that. I got a lot of other shit going <laughs> yeah. on, but it, it felt good to be like, you know, if I wanted to sit down and make another Hark album by myself, I could totally. if I yeah. wanted to. 
And while I don't listen to this album all the time because it is, like I said, for me, more of a wintry album, having it stir that in me uh, wasn't something that I was expecting and it made me want to dive into other stuff like it that I have to see where that rabbit hole is going to go yeah type of deal um i just uh checked the sheet so i don't i don't know if you're a fan but do you ever listen to uh rocky vadalato he does those uh home bedroom like uh tour shows too i don't think i'm familiar okay he's really good uh kind of kind of sad uh, acoustic okay. music cool as well but uh my buddy just hosted him in uh bay area man recently i have tried to host fucking david bizarre <laughs> Multiple times, yeah. Keep getting rejected, man. I'm sure that he's got. I'm sure he's got options. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think Bazan's got options. But like uh, other other artists, like if you if you're not familiar with artists doing this, uh, Will Johnson, um, if you know him, uh, John Vanderslice, um, Clem Snide. There's a lot of uh, these more indie leaning artists or more independent, I should say, not even indie in sound, but literally independent artists are uh, are doing this. And it seems to be not only more fruitful for them economically, but uh, connecting with the audience-wise. Um, David Bazan would not know me from anybody else, but <laughs> because of these shows, I've gotten to meet and speak to him multiple oh, nice. times. And that environment that is cultivated there like really bleeds out into the fan base like the respect is so mutual sure there and like you can hear it on this in bloomington record like the audience i mean i'm sure they were told it was being recorded but like yeah they're incredibly respectful and he his voice he stays like the same volume while talking and singing it's (laughs) so just smooth and I don't know, man. They're my, one of my favorite albums of all time is a live album. Uh, Talking Heads Stop Making Sense. And even that as perfect, lit, literally perfect as that album is, uh, this, this just captures such a different level of the live experience that uh, is rarely missed in recording and, or is often missed in recording. And, uh, to me, it makes this album uh, really special um, and stand out outside of um, being like just another live album. Yeah. Almost. And I think it's weird that it hits me so hard without knowing his other work so much. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's always funny to me when like one hyper specific album or EP <laughs> or song like speaks to you, yet you haven't done a ton of research or work into the yeah. other stuff. Um, but overall, it sounds like uh, we both had similar standout tracks, yep. similar notes. Uh, did this make it to the, oh, I want to check that out again later? Probably, playlist? yeah. I'd probably uh, try it again, yeah, around winter. You there know, you go. Try yep. to set the vibe a little bit. Like I said, it, I did find some of the songs to sound very similar to songs mm-hmm. that I had previously heard, but I think that's, that's just fair. like, you know, just sitting with it and like listening to it like more than once mm-hmm. would probably like, you know, you start to like differentiate little, little things here and there. But yeah, overall, I dug it. Cool. And uh, that wraps that up. 
that is the first chunk of our journey on the vinyl floor. How are you feeling, Randy? Feeling good. Like we said, a uh, a very sporadic sort of pretty scattershot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I ain't mad about it, and especially because uh, next week is beyond uh, a singular. Yeah, we are going to be covering one artist, five albums by one artist. Holy shit! <laughs> you know, that sounds like a lot. But the week after that, we're going to be covering five albums by one artist. Then the week after that, we're going to be covering six albums by one artist. So it's going to start. Now we're getting into some meat here of musicians that I really love. And I actually don't know. I'll ask you a little bit. Because next week, we're getting into truly the one and only Aesop Rock. Sure. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Aesop Rock, I am not talking about Aesop Rocky. <laughs> that is a different man entirely. He is the first rapper that I ever really connected with, which is pretty embarrassing, in all honesty, for yeah. me, that uh, the first rapper I ever connected with was a white guy. <laughs> that's that's not that's great. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he is respected as all hell. Um, there was some, I don't want to call it a fucking study, but there was some thing that some guy <laughs> did a couple years back where they were trying to find essentially the, the rapper with the greatest vocabulary. Huh. And they, I think it, it was some sort of algorithm, some sort of AI thing. Uh, but years ago before it is what it is now. And they put in like all the lyrics and songs and stuff. And they were looking for like unique words and whatnot. And they had like Kanye and all of them, like pretty close to the top of yeah. this list. And then one person like miles ahead of everybody and alone, completely alone. And it was Aesop Rock. Interesting. As the most, uh, verbose. Huh? rapper using the biggest vocabulary which i found very interesting and it makes a lot of sense when you listen to his music cool. um are you familiar with aesop that much sort of but mostly through other people heard uh cool. a lot of my a lot of my friends growing up uh are definitely way more versed in hip-hop rap mm -hmm. any of that stuff when i I don't know. I, I grew up listening to like my dad's metal oh, okay, for a long cool. time. And then I got really into like punk rock. Then I think I kind of had the like, uh, I don't know, just like the attitude of just like, just being just really liking punk rock mm -hmm. so much. And then I didn't really like open my mind a whole lot to like other things. Like I would listen to other, you know, sub genres of like rock and punk rock or like post-punk and stuff like that. But I've just always kind of had a blind spot for like more electronic music or rap or hip hop and stuff. Hip hop is not, you y'all are not coming to this podcast to get versed on hip hop. That is yeah. not what Randy and I are here to offer you. Um, I'm not going to pretend that, uh, because to pimp a butterfly is an amazing album that I have been a hip hop head my <laughs> entire life. I'm not going to pretend that because Tyler, the creator is good. Like, no, yeah. we, I appreciate hip hop. I really enjoy what I enjoy. Um, it's not what I was raised on. Um, yeah. And 
it's it's still not what my ear gravitates toward just on a regular basis but when i when i find an artist that i like i very much like them and there's there's a i can't even say a decent amount there's not a decent amount of hip hop sprinkled in here there's some <laughs> there's some hip hop in here and there's plenty that i love that i still don't own uh but aesop rock is one that i have loved since i was like 15 um and i think he's only gotten better over time um it's I'm going to be very curious of what I have because we're again, we're going to cover this next week, but of the five albums that I have, we've got a pretty early one to start it off. Uh, like yeah. probably his biggest early one. Uh, we've got his like fan favorite and then we've got uh, like three of his newer ones. Okay. Yeah. And I've seen that. We don't hear about the newer ones all that much. People don't yeah. really talk about them. And I think they're some of his best work. Cool. So that's going to be really cool. Uh, next week, those albums, if you want to listen to them prior, so you can uh, come along with us is going to be again, Aesop rock, A E S O P R O C K. And the albums are bazooka tooth. None shall pass. The Impossible Kid, Spirit World Field Guide, and his collaboration with Tobacco called Malibu Ken. He's got uh, actually a few albums since that Malibu Ken one, but uh, those uh, have not made it to my collection quite yet. So yeah, that is what we're going to be covering next week. Uh, I think the only other real housekeeping thing is to just mention that um, my band, Clot, which I brought up a little while earlier, uh, I do vocals for this band. If you're into, uh, I don't know, Randy, what do we do? Gr- kind of grind. Yeah. Randy's grind. not in the band, but he's, he's supportive. Uh, um, grind noise, sludgy, deathy, core. Yeah. Shit. That about covers it. Yeah. Uh, we have an album coming out. Um, Hell yeah. Thank you. And that comes out in 10 days, 10 days from today on the 21st. Uh, The album is called Grief Tethers. Um, We have three singles out currently, uh, Repetitive Path of Dissonance, Trauma Bound, and Deicidal Tendencies. And the whole album will be dropping on the 21st. If you're in Atlanta, uh, we will be having um, an album release show. I believe that's going to be August 4th at the time of this recording. That is not set in stone. So if I need to update that, I will on the socials. But um, uh, we got an album release show in Atlanta and then we are uh, touring in August. Um, So if y'all are in or on the East Coast at all, you have a pretty good chance of seeing us. We're starting on August 18th in Asheville, North Carolina, and we are going through uh, Sunday, August 27th ending in um south carolina nice stoked for y'all thanks man doing a solo run uh we're not going with any other bands this time uh just knocking it out ourselves but uh we're looking forward to it it's going to be the longest run this is the longest run i've ever done with a band yeah yeah. um but it is the longest run we have done as a unit as well uh previous to this we did four days (laughs) so yeah uh, now going for what like nine is uh Nice. Yeah, pretty good. So outside of that, uh, yeah, check out Clot. We're on the socials at Clot Noise, C-L-O-T-N-O-I-S-E. We're there. We're That's our handle on everything, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Bandcamp, all of it. And 
Aside from that, listen up on those uh, Aesop Rock albums. I'm very curious. Uh, to give you further context before we go, Aesop Rock, I'm sure they are still friends today, but back in the day, uh, he was quite close with uh, LP of Run the Jewels fame. Oh, okay. Yeah, the second half of Run the Jewels. Killer yeah, Mike yeah. and LP. Uh, LP has a pretty prominent verse on a couple songs, but one that I'm remembering in particular on Bazooka Tooth. Um, and I think he drops the F slur. Oh, interesting. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How the times have changed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I re- when I bought Bazooka Tooth on vinyl, that was something that I didn't remember being yeah. a thing. And when I listened through it, I was just like, oh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I remember being like, that wasn't Aesop's voice. I think that was LP who just yeah. said that. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> see if that's actually there, if I'm remembering incorrectly. Um, the most uh, egregious thing about that record outside of that, though, is that it's a triple LP uh, and it makes it so there's only like two songs per side. Um, but other than that, y'all have a uh, have a great week and I hope you enjoy the albums if you're going to listen along. Take care. <laughs>